Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, in this series, we are discussing the priesthood of every believer. Now, one of the verses that we've been talking about a lot in this series because it's so foundational, is 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We all, as we've been saying, are priests of God, and we're all called to praise his holy name and to proclaim the good works that he has done. Amen. And as we've said elsewhere, when the Holy Spirit comes upon people and they speak forth, they proclaim the mighty deeds of God. That happened at Pentecost. And it happens elsewhere when we talk about how do we know what God is doing? It's not a secret. It's messianic salvation through Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. So humans and misguided Christians in general want to change this and say, well, I'm the special person. I speak for God. And if you don't know my, the secret that God told me or the secret, how do you get closer to God, then you're an outsider. You got to come to my seminar in order to find out how to become an insider. That's right. And there is so much of that. Well, just this morning, I got an email from a false prophet. Uh, I stay on one list anyhow, so I know what the apostles and prophets are claiming. Well, you learn how to be intimate with God, the secret to the heavenlies, the secret of enlightenment. And so people go to seminars as if the priesthood of every believer and access to the throne of grace and the ability to know and teach and understand the word of God that Luther said was foundational at the point of the Reformation, the authority of scripture, and the priesthood of every believer. We might as well just pretend that's not even true or not even in the Bible because you can't sell that. It's free. That's right. I get a lot of those too. And it's always, you know, here's the special secret to something. And if you'll sign up for my one day only webinar for only $15.99, you can learn the secret to a powerful Christian life. And even if it were free, now here's another thing to keep in mind. Even if someone says it's totally free, but it's still false, how much it costs won't do you any good if it's false. That's right. And, and this is where the priesthood of every believer really becomes important because we all can proclaim truth from God's word. It doesn't matter how big and mighty this person is or what position they have. We as believers have the right to judge what they are preaching, to compare it to scripture and say when they are wrong or refuse to listen to false prophets. Exactly. So the most important thing to know, dear listeners, is that God has spoken in these last days through his son, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, we've talked about that, and we have access to the throne of grace, 
Hebrews 4.16. And we've been looking at Peter, where he says that we can declare the excellencies of God. And in this article, uh, issue 133, I pointed out that the word in the Greek is arete, which can mean virtues or excellencies, as some English translations have it. So God's mighty deeds reveal his virtues and his character. Who is God? When you look at the Psalms or you look at the book of Deuteronomy, and then you look at Moses declaring in Deuteronomy 18.15 that God would raise up a prophet like him, the claim throughout is that God has spoken, God has acted in history, and his being, his virtues, his excellency, his eternal qualities are the things which he has revealed. Some fancy prophet didn't figure this out. God revealed them. Yes. And in the context, we've talked a lot about Luther in this series. And it's easy for us to say, okay, well, you can just dismiss the Todd Bentleys of the world. Most of our listeners would probably agree with that. I think we need to remember that Luther was telling Christians they could safely ignore the Pope when he was being a false prophet, which was most of the time when, when they're not rightly applying the word of God and are um, really, I mean, there was so much wrong with the Catholic church and things that he was trying to address that would have been shocking to believers in his day to say, you know what, you can tell the Pope he's wrong. Right. And I remember uh, gathering a lot of material when I wrote this. I, I remember now why I wrote this article when I did. We went to do a, a conference at another church that had to do with the authority of Scripture. And I said, the priesthood of every believer you need as well. Otherwise, yeah, we do agree with the authority of Scripture. but Somebody else already figured out what it meant, so you just submit to that. Which is really just rebuilding Rome, because they said, "Well, we are the church. We have thousand, you know, we have a thousand years of history. We have the creeds and councils. We're right." Yeah, so we published an article about that. We haven't heard much feedback on it because someone wants to refute this idea of the priesthood of every believer. We're listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People will rebuild what Rome did wrong, thinking, well, now we have better creeds and councils than they did, so you have to submit to us. So we can't be questioned either, or we can, but you have to first swear an oath that you agree with us, and then you can talk about what we already decided was right. Right. I haven't found too many Protestants that want to, challenge that idea. I will. Okay. And so if you want to tell us, no, you don't know what the Bible says unless you submit to our creed or our council first, and ours is right and everybody else's is wrong, show us from Scripture why we should reject the doctrine of the priesthood of every believer. Exactly. When it comes to the ministry and teaching of the church, 
Ephesians tells us that we're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we've pointed out many times, and I taught through recently through, I should say this, I preached through Ephesians recently, over a few years, and the foundation of the church is Christ the cornerstone and his apostles and prophets, the biblical ones, as the foundation and the building blocks are people being converted from wherever they came from, Jew and Greek, any sort of person who believes the gospel is being built into that. And we all have access to the throne of grace, and we all are to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't necessary qualifications for elders. That's clear in the Bible. But it doesn't mean that you silence everybody but a few people who already know what's true. Right. So in this article, I cited something directly from Luther on this. He said that the Lord's Supper itself demonstrates that Christians proclaim God's mighty deeds. And so here's what Luther said. Even this remembrance is nothing else than a preaching of the word, as Paul explains in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, quote, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Continuing Luther's, uh, what he said about this, to proclaim the death of the Lord is to declare the wonderful deeds of God who called us from darkness into his marvelous light. Unquote. And in this article, we have attribution for all of these things. I, I like to say that whenever we have the Lord's Supper, if I'm the one who is um, reading the words of institution, as they're called, we should realize that we're preaching the gospel. We are. And that's also why we need to welcome even the newest believer who may have just been converted at that moment through the preaching of the gospel to the Lord's table, because it is the Lord's table. It belongs to him, and he alone determines who was welcome there. Right. If he welcomes someone to his table um, who agrees to the terms of the gospel, believing in Christ alone, who died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust in order to bring us to God, the one whose blood alone cleanses our sins for trusting him alone, that is what grants access to his supper. Yes. And those who remember the Lord's death until he comes are the same ones who will participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. That's true. And so the Lord's Supper is both a review of what God did in Christ and a preview of the eternal, excuse me, that supper that he invited us to that we haven't yet partaken of. In the meantime, the ordinance, now they would call it sacraments in some churches, the ordinance that's ordained by Christ can't be controlled or changed or turned into something it never was, as it does in the Roman Catholic Mass. No, this is what God did once for all. So um, I commented on what Luther said here in this article. Indeed, we proclaim the virtues of God 
It's showing that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, has paid the price for us unworthy sinners who have believed the, the gospel to dine with him and thus proclaim his mighty deeds. We proclaim the only basis by which we know we will participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lord's Supper is a preview and reveals our eternal hope. That's what I wrote about this about five or six years ago. And dear listeners, there's so much confusion in church history. The claims, the hierarchies, the roadblocks put up for believers to know what God said, to know that their sins are forgiven, to know that God hears them, and that they are not worthy because they're more holy or pious than somebody. Their holiness is the imputed righteousness of Christ, and he is at work cleansing us, and he's the one who invited us to his supper. Amen. So as we, as, as a body, partake of the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. We are remembering the work of Christ, and we're also looking forward to the fulfillment of the promise of the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a powerful message being preached as we partake of communion. Yes, the gospel is right there. Yes. So one objection, I think we've mentioned this before. Well, Luther was wrong about so many things, and Lutheranism has all kinds of problems. And so you have to choose something else because we can't believe anything that Luther said. Well, as we said before, the authority of scripture and the priesthood of every believer, that part is biblical. And Luther stood against the whole world claim, proclaiming it. Whatever he said that's wrong, we, we're allowed to judge too because he's not an apostle. Right. And, and honestly, we would disagree with his position on the Lord's Supper as it pertains to real presence. Yeah. And but when we're I, free to disagree with that. Yeah, we would disagree with that. When I was in seminary, there were all these uh, historical debates, and we studied that. And is Christ present in some way he wouldn't be otherwise in the bread and in the wine? And what's his version? What's the reform version? What's the Zwinglian version? What, what did the Greek Orthodox have to say? Scripture alone. Okay? Yes. So this whole thing turns into some sort of a substantiation doctrine or some idea that we have to make a claim that the Bible, Bible never claimed okay okay the lord's supper the last supper is a preview of what we do to remember and what will happen at the marriage supper of the lamb now we published another article called uh, dining with the king which dealt with this whenever there is such a mishta is the name in the old testament whenever there's a banquet Someone, some people are saved and others are judged. Right. And somewhere I have that we'll have to give our listeners and those who watch this YouTube the, the article number. But 
We've published on that too. Judas was at the Last Supper. That's true. What happened to Judas? He was judged. He was judged. Yes. And so the judgment didn't happen because he didn't see that somehow the bread was some mystical or presence or this or that. The judgment was that he really wasn't one of them. Exactly. Okay. And so you can find that article at cacministry.org that we published, Dining with the King is the name of it. Luther's doctrine of the Lord's Supper can be judged by anyone who understands the Scripture. Yes. Okay. So we're saying that the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of every believer is biblical. Okay. And whatever Lutheranism has done in the centuries after that isn't binding on anybody any more than Rome was, unless what they teach is biblical. All right. Now, in your article, you go on and say this. In what I consider another astute reading by Luther, he sees evidence in 1 Corinthians 14 that all Christians as priests can and should teach. Now, we spent a whole episode on this in January of last year. If listeners want to go back and listen to that, it was John the Baptist and Prophets to Nations Part 9, where we discuss 1 Corinthians 14. But can you want to just give us a quick overview of that? Yes. Let me cite the verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. Okay, so how was Paul using prophesy in that verse? He was using it to bring out implications and applications of Scripture. Right. So he wasn't saying we're all going to get new revelations from God. We were going to proclaim what God has already revealed. Yes, and I think that's very important because some have said, well, that was just for them to fill in divine revelation until the canon of scripture was filled, fulfilled. That's commonly said. Mm-hmm. I respect say that, but I can't believe that that's correct. Okay. Because the fact is that Corinth had a lot of problems and the church had a lot of problems and a lot, a lot of false teachers. Right. And the only thing that's ever binding is the teaching of Christ and his apostles. Okay. And so based on that, the, some people say this. Somebody will say, thus saith the Lord, this and this and this and this, either foretelling or this is what it is or this is the way it is. And then, so that's what they think God told them as if they were filling in Revelation. And then the others say, no, I don't think that's from God. The other one says, yeah, I think maybe that is from God. And so we have, well, then eventually somebody's better than everybody else at bullying people. So we just listen to them. I can't believe that. Okay. When I first started a pastor's meeting in the late 80s and early 90s, before we started critical issues, there were many charismatics who held to the position that prophecy was something that would be like that. Thus saith the Lord, and then we decide whether it's from God or not. And so over the course of studying 
the Reformation and then studying Corinthians. And uh, we I came to the conclusion that Paul isn't turning over the church to anybody who gets up and says, God said this or that. Right. That doesn't, that's not in keeping with Ephesians, the foundation that was laid once for all. It's not in keeping with the priesthood of every believer. It's not in keeping with the authority of Scripture. So researching this, the position, I believe, is this. Prophecy doesn't mean giving new revelation beyond what's in Scripture. It means bringing forth applications and implications that are binding because they follow from Scripture. Yes. Okay. So in the Christological debates of the early centuries of the church, is the doctrine of the Trinity true? Yes. And so that I, I'm not advocating overthrowing things that Christians have believed for centuries, but each generation needs to go back and learn those things and see why they're biblical so we don't end up becoming Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses or falling in some other cult, Jesus-only Pentecostals. Right. Example. And we need to learn to defend those doctrines from Scripture rather than from creeds. That's what I've said for a long time. I'm surprised about that because most people think the creeds themselves are the way you defend that doctrine. Say, so, no, you can't depart from our creeds. The creeds are true. Then they are implications and applications of Scripture. And if they're true that way, then we can go back ourselves and prove that the Holy Spirit really is God, third person of the Trinity. Yes. And we need to be equipped to do that because through the centuries, eventually you have what some people called dead orthodoxy. And then a new group starts and pretty soon you have the social gospel or something else. Mm -hmm. What are they judging? Well, did God really send his son, Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the eternal God? And did he die for sins? Are the things that are taught and claimed in the New Testament true? And if someone says, well, this is what I believe it says, then the others judge it. So we publish issue 95 on that. Yes. And call of every believer. So you've got a quote from Luther in this article that I think is really important. It says, and this is Luther speaking, for say, what is meant by each one of you and by all? Can this mean only the shorn? These passages very strongly and clearly corroborate that the ministry of the word is the highest office in the church, that it is unique and belongs to all who are Christians, not only by right, but by command. Indeed, is not a priesthood if it is not unique and common to all. Nothing can prevail against these divine thunderings, be it numberless fathers in numerous councils, the custom of ages, or the majority of all the world. Wow. Yeah. Well, one thing about Luther, he's really fun to read. Yep. Divine thunderings. Well, no, you, you, you don't have uh, the right credentials. You don't get to tell us 
what the Bible says and say it clearly and defend your view. Right. The Bereans were commended in Acts for searching the scriptures. And we need to do that. And we need to equip the saints to do it. So, amen. Divine thunderings. I like how he says that. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to set up this hierarchy where some people know what God said and the rest of us don't. It's either revealed or it's a secret. If it's a secret and it's not revealed, then you don't have anything to say about that. Yes. And that's it, exactly what the Roman Catholic had done. Right. They had their priests and they had all of all of their church hierarchy and their creeds and their councils. And you got to listen to what they had to say. But that was that. So that same process keeps getting reinstated only in another form. Exactly. And the arguments against that sort of creedalism, which we the last article I published was about that, critical issues. I'm still looking for somebody to come and refute that. Yeah, it hasn't happened. I, I predicted that because it really doesn't follow. It doesn't work. That's not claiming that everything stated in creeds is wrong. I'm saying that we don't have scripture alone. We don't equip the saints and we're not able to articulate and bring forth valid implications and applications of scripture, then all we have is something better than the councils of Rome, but still not scripture. Exactly. In your article, you say Rome tried to silence any who would correct her errors and abuses. She claimed that her own prelates were authorized to teach and that ordinary Christians simply had to listen and obey. And now we have whole denominations basically doing the same thing, saying you will hold to our creed and confession and you're not allowed to question it or you're not welcome at the Lord's table. Yes. Barring people from the Lord's table is who believe Christ and trust him is abusive. Okay. Uh, the problem isn't that the table's defiled. The problem is that we don't believe the promises of God. And we don't believe in the authority of scripture, the priesthood of every believer. Exactly. So we need to continue to search the scriptures. And I don't, I don't know how to get this. In fact, tomorrow I'm preaching and I'm going to preach on one verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, which is a citation of the Old Testament from sort of alludes to various passages. Okay. It's revealed, and it's revealed to the whole church, or it's a secret that only some people know. And you never come to the unity of the faith by claiming, well, the secrets are things that some people figured out and others didn't, and therefore you have to listen to us. Amen. All right, we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.